This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty! The only thing we have to fear is fear itself! Sooner or later, though. You always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas, alternative media for discerning minds. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. I want to thank all our members. As always, you are keeping Veritas alive. Tonight's special guest is a fixture on the Veritas show, and with the current world events taking place, this may be last appearance. The return of Cliff High from HalfPassHuman.com to discuss the road ahead. Cliff will be with us shortly. As a two-year Veritas anniversary gift to all of you, especially the less fortunate, I'm making this very important episode available to everyone at no cost. Traditionally, I make the first segment available to all and the second segment to members only. For one week, until we air next week's show, you'll be able to listen to the entire show at no cost. Now remember, Veritas survives on your voluntary subscriptions only. That is why you don't hear any commercials, which means it is you, and only you, 
making this happen. All I ask is that if you are able to subscribe and your conscience dictates, please subscribe. That way, you will help us cover our expenses. With your subscription, you'll be getting over 100 shows, access to the Manticore Forum, where we have plenty of information and discussions that you won't find anywhere else. So just go to our website, veritasshow.com, if you're not already there, and click on the subscribe link. You'll get your login immediately, and you'll be able to download this and all our shows and take Veritas with you anywhere. And the fall is here, and the winter is coming soon. You know what that means? Get your MMS right from us, whether you live in the United States or abroad. And if you buy health supplements anywhere, you are paying too much. Take a look at the new source we found, which is featured on our website, and compare. You can buy as many products as you want, and they have thousands, and only pay $5.95 for shipping with a 30-day return policy, and they ship worldwide. Check them out. And many of you have been asking when Season 2 would be available on the 8GB USB drive. I will make it available in December for the holidays. Visit the Veritas store for more information. Season 1 is now available. And I honestly did not expect so many people enjoying the USB drive. But apparently, taking all the shows on the road without having to download all of them is important to you. Not to mention that the futuristic-looking USB drive is a conversation piece as well. Season 1 also includes the late Zachariah Sitchin's last interview. And if you need to get in touch with me, go to our website and click on the contact button or join me on Facebook. And remember, we'll be discussing this show with people around the world at the Magicor Forum. And now, get ready for what may be Cliff High's last appearance on this show. When in U.S. history has a sitting president taken off on an overseas trip for an extended period of time with 65 airplanes, 34 warships, reportedly 3,000 people, not including the amount of military personnel traveling as well, at a cost to taxpayers of $200 million per day, or $2 billion in total. All of this at the pinnacle of an economic and political upheaval. The answer? Never. The U.S. dollar continues to lose value and a number of insiders are predicting a bank holiday as early as November the 11th. Could this be true? America is bankrupt and the rest of the world is no longer willing to go along with quantitative easing or printing money out of thin air. Something big is getting ready to happen. In fact, it is happening now and Cliff High's webbot seems to agree. If you want to ignore the signs, stop this audio now. If you want to be prepared, don't go anywhere. Cliff High is coming up next. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas.
Howdy, this is Jim Mars, and you're listening to Veritas. Pay attention. And directly from the state of Washington, the Northwest United States, I would like to welcome once again to the show, Cliff. Hi. Hello, Cliff, and welcome back to Veritas. You're home. How are you? Doing fine. Thank you very much. And indeed, it is home. I mean, it's uh, very welcoming here. And yeah, because you are a fixture on the show and you know it. Yes, unfortunately for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't need to tell you and tell the listeners that this show is extremely important. And the next few days, actually starting on November the 5th, could be considered a crossing the Rubicon scenario, a point of no return. Would you agree? Oh, certainly, yes. The, the original suggestion that the tipping point would last from the 8th through the 11th, when we examined the data, we found that the initial part of the tipping point plateau is going to hit us on the 5th and will extend all the way out to the 14th. Because of the granularity of our data gathering being down to about um, three days, really, if we were to examine data next week, I doubt we would find much in the way of change of that, maybe a refinement by hours. So pretty much the 5th of November through the um, 14th. And before we start, Cliff, I want to share with uh, the audience that last week I had the opportunity to travel to Los Angeles to do a, a segment with the History Channel about the WebBot. And for the listeners who are joining for join us for the first time, the WebBot is an internet prophetic computer program that predicts or forecasts future events on a global scale. It is the brainchild of Cliff High a reclusive genius with a strong background in linguistics and human behavioral studies. Cliff, was the description and portrayal of you accurate? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm an old bald guy living out in the woods who happens to dink around with software. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I can say. When I'm allowed, I will tell uh, what History Channel show and when you can watch it. So thank you, Cliff, for allowing me to speak on, on your behalf. Oh, well, thank you very much for doing it. Uh, I just... I can't bring myself to do that kind of thing, and there is some demand for it. So uh, it's a failing I've got, and I apologize for you having to do the, uh, the, the dirty work of going on out and, and messing with all those corporate fellows. That's fine. I enjoyed it. And with that out of the way, let's begin. Let's start with today's elephant in the room, Cliff. First of all, according to your latest post, the tipping point has been extended from November 8th through the 11th through November 5th through the 14th. That's three more days at the beginning and three more days in the end, making this a, what, nine, ten-day window. Uh, Pres ten days inclusive, correct. Inclusive. President Obama is leaving the country on Friday, November 5th, for a four-country trip to Asia that will last until November 14th. And I just saw it's going to be 3,000 people, including CEOs, 65 airplanes, 34 warships, uh, $200 million per day. When in U.S. history, Cliff, has a sitting president taken off on an overseas trip for an extended period of time like this? The only other time was the uh, Rockefeller meeting uh, relative to slicing and dicing the planet up in the 1940s in the uh, Yalta Accords. So the, we have had a something that was similar, but that was done surreptitiously. They didn't tell people about it. So this is very unique, uh, and it's rather shocking, the sheer number of personnel. When they say 3,000 people are going with him, that's 3,000 guests. The military personnel number in the tens of thousands. They have their own logistic planning force at DOD. Why 34 warships? 
Good question. I don't answer why questions, but it's a it's a really good one to to post to somebody um, in government. You know, just basically, what is up here, guys? I keep forgetting my my uh, webbot one hundred and one. Don't ask why. Don't ask. Do you believe? Right. Correct. Correct. Uh, why? Because it goes to intent, and one person can only, at best, guess the intent of another. Uh, basically, if you haven't lived in my shoes for you know my lifetime, how do you really know what my intent is in any given moment? And the word "believe" I really get irritated at because it's actually a an Anglicization of a German term "belief," which means "I wish," and so you're actually saying "I wish this to be true." And this listener says, this is all happening during the tipping point time frame. Call me a conspiracy nut, but it appears as though a lot of their in-the-loopers are getting out of the way while they make the rest of us glow in the dark. Any thoughts on this? Yes, this is very scary. Um, it's scary for a number of reasons. The uh, confirmation that we have... Uh, okay, let me let me back up and say that way back in like 1997, I'm just a regular old software guy intent on making a, a big pile of money in the matrix of the uh, corporate world, designing software and selling it to everybody else. And I wanted to produce good software. And I started getting into areas I probably shouldn't have in terms of software development, which led me to where I am today. And in that early time, I discovered that, hmm, the data is not coming back the way it should be coming back if my worldview was correct. And since the data was very persistent and insistent that it was correct, I had to alter my worldview. And that meant rooting around and looking for things. And I discovered at that point, and over the course of 97 to 99, that a whole lot can be, in terms of patterns, and I have to back up even further and say that in my, my work, I'm a... Um, a pattern finder, I guess. I'm a, a very, very good at finding what are known as design patterns, which are intricate, elegant, little, simple solutions to very complex systemic issues. And that was my forte as a, as a consultant and a software engineer. In any event, so I discovered that there's a pattern that one can observe that is extremely telling. And this pattern is that the powers that be, that is to say the moneyed elite, those people that are self-defining as the power elite, their movements, both individually and collectively, uh, can be not only confirmatory, but also forecast things. And so here we have something that is confirmation of the time, because never have we had such a uh, uh, huge <laughs> display of um, ubris taking thousands of people out of the country immediately after a very hotly contested election in which the president got his ass handed to him on a platter and, politically. And... Um, and he's going to go off for this extended period of time under these conditions with this huge mass of people, does not pass the smell test for me. So I'm very concerned that, indeed, there is a movement of the elite to be away from the East Coast during this period of time. And then, of course, we get the weirdness of the uh, Simpson cartoon thing that's making yes. the rounds. Okay, and, and that needs to be addressed because the... Uh, I'm very sorry, I'm terrible with authors' names and stuff, but whoever put that video together uh, has got a clue, and they do understand a few things. They didn't go anywhere near the level of symbolism that's involved with that clock falling next to the Homer Simpson character, because if one were to really examine that clock, you would notice that there is a disproportionate, dissimilar, and delta-producing 
display of these two dots that are halfway up the hands of the clock. In other words, one might take them as mere points of decoration just glancing over it. But if you look at the arrangement of the arrow point of the um, hand of the clock on the 11 and then the arrow point of the hand of the clock on the The 6... Even with the foreshadowing involved, even with the oblique turn of the clock relative to how it is uh, drawn in, the bottom hand does not have its dot where it should, and it, based on the top hand being about halfway down. And then if one goes and plots this against a map of roads on the East Coast, lo and behold, what is revealed? D.C. to Miami. And then you start looking at the dates involved and the shapes and so on. And it is true that there are Masonic symbols in there, much more than simply the black and white checkerboard. If you look, you see that Homer Simpson turns and twists in a particular way and makes very specific movements that are, in fact, uh, reminiscent of or um, could be taken as patterned approaches to Masonic hand uh, signs. And so it just goes on and on and on. It's very richly detailed if the basic premise is sound, that they're in fact encoding uh, both Masonic symbols and foreknowledge into these various TV shows and cartoons. And basically they have to because they've got to prep our minds and get us to conceive of this stuff because it would do absolutely no good for anybody to, um, for instance, have a giant false flag attack uh, last uh, Monday morning at 2 a.m. because it would not have had the effect that the powers that be want it to have. Bear in mind that no war that I'm aware of uh, internationally, that is between nations, um, in what we can think of as modern time, the last 2,000 years, has ever been an organic creation. It's always been the result of the powers that be engineering this sort of thing. So they intend to engineer the next war. They're telling us about this. And, hmm, we may be there now. And also, uh, if you flip the clock upside down, you get nine eleven oh one, Cliff. Yes, I know, I know. And uh, there's other other symbols beyond that. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> there, the um, the Florida symboling uh, symbology is really telling too, because we have a situation here where we have a uh, Washington D.C. marker, and then we have a Miami marker, and then a another marker ever so slightly down further towards the Keys, and at the same time we see the clock, we have that nuclear explosion, the, the prototypical mushroom cloud in the background, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. the conclusion is seemingly obvious. Oh, also, by the way, there's a, a repetitious instances of three involved in the clock, as though, uh, and not pointing to triangles. If it were triangular in nature, I would say it would be going more towards the Merkaba, which the Masonic group uses as their symbol, uh, especially in the compass and the um, uh, square. But uh, no, these are just numeric instances of three. So it would seem that it, that they're trying to tell you that there are going to be three nuclear explosions and they're, <clears throat> they're going to be within this particular time frame on this particular day and they're going to be on this particular road network. And, of course, they're going to involve Washington, D.C. And it's like, well, you know, the power elite wanted to get rid of Washington, D.C. anyway and start over. And, hmm, none of them are there now. The whole core of the White House is gone. I mean, the staff is like probably reduced down to janitors and that's it. And the other part is that although the stock market reacted somewhat positive to Fed Chief Bernanke about uh, injecting close to $1 trillion into the economy by buying treasuries, this will continue to erode the dollar. You, you saw it today. Oil is up. Um, it, 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 You're not 
okay, you're sort of on the right track, but you're, I think you're missing the point. I fully expect a Dow to go to 20,000. 20,000. 20,000, sure. George Ure keeps disputing me. And I think that if they main, are able to maintain the Dow beyond a certain point, like, say, all the way up to March of next year, the Dow might easily be 100,000. But between now and, say, January, the Dow might soar to 20,000. The reason that it might do that is because of the hyperinflation. Right. <clears throat> okay, and so basically what happened today, and let's see, today is the 4th, and we had our first bite of the silver um, uh, monster today, and the dollar shed nearly 6% of its value yes. today, today, based against real things. Do not buy into the idea that the dollar should be measured against a basket of other currencies. You're going to miss the point if you do that because you're going to be comparing toilet paper to toilet paper and just ooing and aahing over the color of it all. But what you need to do is to compare that toilet paper to something sound like silver or gold, and then you'll be able to see the erosion of the dollar over these next 10 days. So, for instance, uh, I have been of the opinion, and I am still of the opinion, that the tipping point is more about the death of the dollar and the subsequent uh, release of that um, upon the planet than it is about any other single item, although it will probably involve all different other kinds of things. So my personal scenario is that I think that tomorrow we may see $5 on silver. We may see silver go $5 upward. The reason I say this is in priced in dollars because the that we've had temporal markers for some time that showed a progression where we would get a a break at a and do a dollar a day silver and once silver went up a dollar a day that was a a particular temporal marker which fell today plus two other temporal markers associated with that dollar a day also fell today and the next temporal marker is a several five dollar days on silver so it wouldn't surprise me to see that silver went up five dollars tomorrow Five or ten dollars on Saturday and Sunday in international markets, such that by Monday, which would be the eighth, the core of our original um, uh, tipping point area, we would see something on the order of a twenty or thirty dollar lag on silver, and it would just roar up from there. And somewhere around one hundred and seventy-five dollars an ounce for silver, the banking system in the U.S. would basically shut down, which might mean that they would call Obama back early and close the banks, say on the fourteenth or something. That would fit the, the language we have because under those circumstances, all of the other things for the next several months would be basically release language as all of us in the U.S. and pretty much the planet uh, vented our frustration at the powers that be with all of our wealth going pretty much poof. Bear in mind, anything you have in the bank now will be useless once they reopen the banks or once they establish that this is indeed how they're going to operate things because you'll be measuring the, the digital dollars against something real like the an ounce of silver and it will be very unfavorable if you don't have the silver. And we've seen in the past that half-fast human analysis had an extremely strong positive hit on the 2005 Banda Aceh tsunami, where about 280,000 people died. You predicted 300,000, but there are plenty of more disappearing. How strong were the indicators for that event that you accurately forecasted the magnitude of relative to this massive event that you've been forecasting for months now? It's 100% the same math. It's 100% the same software Uh, I say that because it's actually one of several uh, hundred executables uh, that we have, and it's just a particular one that we've, I've never altered. I've never had to alter this particular uh, executable, which goes on out and does all these summation values for me. And it's the summation values of the change of the 
emotional tension that allows me to forecast uh, large-scale events that way. So basically, I'm as confident now about what's going to start tomorrow as I was eight months before the Banda Achi quake that something really big was coming. Make sense? Yes, it does. And okay. I'm trying to connect dots here. Did the data trend change as the tsunami event drew near and are the trends for the November tipping point resembling or at least creating a stronger uh, confidence level? How do the data for the tsunami or any other very significant event define itself as the predicted time grew closer? Well, actually, that's a good example because the tsunami one was uh, curious because it was buried behind, so to speak, a larger uh, meme, which was earthquakes. Right. So, so the year of the uh, uh, Boxing Day tsunami, we got a uh, very early that year, January, February, I got a real good um, data source that uh, stream that suggested there was going to be a very large earthquake, and it gave me all kinds of definitions to it, including that a uh, prison was going to be shut down, a courtroom with a with a, a large uh, publicity trial involved was going to be disrupted, and uh, there would be two three hundred thousand people dead, and when a land would be kicked back to a previous age, i.e. the Stone Age, and so on, had all these good linguistics. Now the problem was that eight months out. We had a little earthquake in like March or April of that year, and there was the Scott Peterson murder trial going on, and it was disrupted, and a prison was uh, let out that same day because of the earthquake in California. So I think, oh, ah, I really screwed up. And the other part, the 300,000 uh, killed and the land knocked back to a previous age, must have just been a real wacky misinterpretation since obviously here was all of this earthquake language fulfilling itself and working itself out in the newspapers right in front of my face. And so I was thinking, okay, well, that part's all goopy and it isn't going to happen. Well, about a month and a half or two months after that, I had the occasion to do another run. And here that data was still showing up again, only that much stronger. So I started keeping all of the data around the land knocked back to a previous age off in its own little set. And we started getting things like um, uh, electrically driven water. And it was like, ooh, ooh, electrically driven water. So I thought it was going to be a giant electrical storm. When in fact, it was, wasn't really electrical. It was force-driven water. And if I'd used the word force instead of electrical, I probably would have stumbled to the idea of a tsunami instead of just the earthquake and then all kinds of other disruptions. So I would have had a better description further in advance of the actual event. So, so the data changes over time. And my ability to um, ascertain nuance and know where to look, in other words, to know what I don't know, at least to some degree, and thus go out and grope in those particular areas, has improved over the years. So I'm actually better at that kind of forecasting now than I was back then. And this one that we've got coming up in November pretty much came on up and slapped me in the face about two years ago. Uh, George, you and I have been discussing it for about a year, and then I've been writing about it for about a year. And as we get closer to it, it becomes ever so much more real in terms of, I kept hoping even as late as like um, last week or the week before that I would be uh, greatly wrong in this. But seeing uh, that Obama et al. Are, are, you know, and all of the other minion class are, are jumping ship, you know, uh, running down the rat lines and leaving starting tomorrow really gives one pause. And going back to the latest report, you mentioned the U.S. dollar falling and falling hard. Granted, all currencies are somewhat tied together, but do you see any other currency taking the dominant place of the U.S. dollar once the crash of the Western currencies has unfolded? 
Uh, that will be true, but only very temporarily. In a broad general sense, and everybody's going to misinterpret me because of the ambiguity of language, but in a broad general sense, the way in which our data describes it is that the dollar pretty much dies, and then there are a series of proffered replacements from resource-based economies such as Canada or New Zealand or Russia and so on, and ultimately even a basket of currencies, but none of these make it, and the destruction of the currencies of, of planetary currency, paper uh, media of exchange, becomes very widespread once the death of the dollar takes place and the others are only temporary, and that might even be for days. So I don't know how rapidly it's going to happen, but I would suspect that once the dollar goes, there might be some international noise to everybody wants to, to back, you know, or get a gold-backed currency or something, you know, resource-backed Australian sheep dollars, which we all know every dollar, every Australian sheep dollar, if you go to Australia, you can turn in that dollar and they'll give you a sheep. I'm using this as an example, sure. and, and and there is no such thing. I want to make <laughs> make that clear. But in any event, so so something like that might be offered up, but it it probably will last at most uh, a matter of weeks. Once the currency breakdown starts and the confidence erodes, the uh, powers that be are going to be quite shocked because they have seriously miscalculated how humans work in terms of this particular key area of psychology. And does the death of the U.S. dollar spell the death of China's economy? Or will China benefit after a tumultuous time immediately afterwards? Uh, let me put it, let, let's in, enlarge our scope. The dollar is planetary. Uh, the dollar is the global planetary r reserve, reserve currency. Reserve currency, but it's also in the minds of most people on the planet it's even better than their local currency, which is stating a lot. Now, that's changed over the last 10 years to a great degree. Uh, it used to be huge uh, in the 40s, for instance. The dollar was accepted globally, uh, officially or not. But now we're in a situation where the, um, the destruction of the dollar will have planetary effects, not merely uh, uh, nationally. And it's going to be an issue of your universal view, if, if I can say that, as a country that will determine how rapidly you start to rebound from it. So uh, let's have a very clear example. Right now, we're getting close to the hyperinflation of the dollar. In fact, we're actually in it. The dollar lost uh, 4 or 5 6% today. That's hyperinflation in anybody's book on a daily basis. It shouldn't have a uh, 6% inflation a year in the 200-plus years that the United States ran on a gold uh, standard, we had less than 5% uh, inflation over that entire period of time, uh, hundreds of years, let alone on, a, on an annual basis. And here we're having that level of inflation on a daily basis. So we're almost to Zimbabwe kind of levels. Now, that being said, it's an abstraction. It's an illusion. Right now, we have all the resources we need in the United States of America to go to Mars, to put people in Mars in an effective uh, continuing sustainable effort. We have everything we need to provide education for every one of our citizens and most of the planet. We have everything we need to feed every one of our citizens to sufficiency and give them a good, healthy, uh, long life and indeed to produce a golden age. Everything we need in this country. But the money system says we don't. And it's kind of like 
most of the country is believing the money system, which is an abstraction run by these nasty, uh, pedophilic, uh, uh, pretentious uh, poseurs to power that are attempting to push down humanity. And it is an illusion in your mind that says, oh, I can't go to Mars, I have no money. Well, I would rather shout out that that's, that's excrement of the worst possible kind. We have the resources now. If you remove the concept of money, there's nothing stopping us from going to Mars. So China will do as China needs, and China's um, Politburo uh, freed um, upper echelon is much more realistically in tune to how the universe operates than many other countries, especially those in the Anglosphere, so I suspect that they will indeed dominate. Do you see anything in the predictive language regarding the upcoming, the new Chinese premiere? I don't do personalities. And no, actually, we don't even do politics at that level anymore because it's, uh, there's just too much there. I mean, you'd have to almost concentrate just on that. Okay. And the, the U.S. continues to stand economically because of the petrodollar. Uh, no, see? that's that's incorrect. The U.S. continues to stand because of the threat to rain cruise missiles and huge amounts of death on you should you in any way uh, dispute uh, the right of our power elite uh, to shove their dollar down your throat. Let me rephrase. That's exactly what it meant. For example, when Saddam Hussein said, I'm going to be selling in euros, that's when the raining of bombs started. That's what it meant. So is Correct. that what you mean? Yeah. That's exactly it. As soon as you say to the United States Central Bank or the Central Bank Authority represented by the United States. It's not a national thing, guys. I had nothing against Saddam Hussein. He could be a right royal bastard, but he was not a problem to me. And that's, as a person in the United States, I have no um, anger or, or animosity at all to anybody in Iran. And most of the people I know in this country are that way. Yes, there's a lot of duped and uh, brainwashed people that are, that are uh, drunk on their religious uh, uh, emotionalism, and they want to have a war with Iran, but most of us are not like that. So anybody in Iran, please forgive us for getting everybody into this damn situation. It, it is true we have allowed the power elite to get us to this point. And we're watching it now. When those 34 warships go out and those 3,000 people and all those tens of thousands of military, you might as well just, uh, we might as well be watching uh, basically. Beginning. Correct. We're watching the beginning of the end in real slow motion. And you've also used the term planetary currency crisis. Will there be any stable currencies or does the data suggest that we will truly go back to a barter, land-owning, food-producing, precious metals economy? Depends on the time frame you're talking about. If we're, are you still there? Yes, I'm here. Okay. You're starting to fade out. We're getting inter interference now, but here's, here's the thing. If you're talking about within the year, yes, we will have other currencies pop up for temporarily within that year. And then we'll go to gold and silver and so on. But even that won't be the, um, um, the end, if you will, the, <clears throat> the un end result. Okay. And does the data suggest any international heads of state finally coming forward and yelling, quote, the emperor has no clothes in regards to the United States financial gymnastics over the past 30 years. Yes, and we'll see those over the next couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, you mentioned that there will be a very disruptive and unanticipated social shock 
and political disruption coming to the U.S. of A. The social and polit political shock to the system is not related to the elections. It will surface after the elections, coincident with the dollar, dollar death. Skipping ahead here. The spread and shock going through the American social system will produce a what-the-f moment for most of the populace of the United States, as well as much of the rest of terrestrial humanity. Uh, what's your take on this? I, I actually think what's going to occur will be something on the order of, uh, or let me give you a, a hypothetical uh, example that fits the language that may indeed turn out to have some level of probability behind it. And that is that hyperinflation really gets going tomorrow. We get $5 a day on silver. We're up to a $20 day lag on Monday, meaning that no matter what we do starting Monday morning, as soon as the USA markets open up, they'll always be chasing silver with a $20 lead on them. You won't be able to get money out there on the table fast enough to catch up with the price of silver as it starts escalating. Somewhere around the $175 to $200 per ounce mark on silver, the banking system will shut down and so will all the ATMs and probably pretty much most of the communications within the U.S. And that, I think, will cause everybody to say, huh? And do you think the shock to the American people will be simply because most of them are still asleep and truly do not see the corruption that has created the, the proverbial house of cards in the U.S. markets? It's not like the American people have forgotten the 2008 market crash and the fact that too big to fail doesn't exist anymore, or that total swindling of the system created the false premise of wealth in the Western markets? I, I don't know that most people are asleep. I know a lot of people are in active denial, and I know a lot of people have been schooled by our school system to not even look in a lot of areas, so they're hypnotized. And I know that other people are hypnotized by uh, basically a single line in their mind and they say to themselves basically if it's not on tv it's not real if it's not on tv it's not real and so when the ufo shows up and burns their foot off they'll look at the tv and if it's not on tv it's not real and there may be a lot of those people that stay that way because they've been so hypnotized through this process the shock i think of the uh, system um grinding down and going into some kind of a systemic lockup here over these next 10 days Uh, and the death of the dollar is going to be uh, staggering on its, in its impact on the people that we live with in this country that have been denigrated by the term sheeple. Okay, so we now have to alter our own language. And by the way, over the, from the 18th of November onward, we're going to enter a period where new words And uh, over those next couple of years, new inventions are just going to roll out like mad. It won't, won't start off really, really fast. It'll ramp up over summer. But you'll start seeing wholly new language in like um, June of next year. But we have to start changing our language. We've got to start saying to ourselves, those of us that know what's going to happen, basically get ready when it does happen, stand up and start directing all these sheeple people into becoming aware humans and telling them where they can find the resources that will help them make sense of what's going on. And don't expect it to be an easy or fast process. It will take some of these people years to grasp how they've been treated and what's actually happened. And for the first time, Cliff, I really felt the sheeple or the obedient people last week in the LA airport, an hour and a half standing in a line, Homeland Security, full body scan, full padding, and everybody was so, so compliant, full compliance. And this is just a society of comply or be punished. It seems that people don't care anymore. You have to comply or, or else. 
what's your take on that? Well, it's it's a combination of what it's what has been done to us, okay? And this is why we that are in the um, aware movement or you know regular human uh, movement, whatever you want to call it, those of us here that understand that basically we've been screwed over by these guys have to recognize there's six uh, percent of the population that is electromagnetically sensitive. I happen to be one of them, so I know when people are beaming stuff at me because my antenna go up and and I'm aware of this. But a lot of people do not. They're not aware of it, so they're walking around in a fog of electromagnetic pollution. I, for instance, do not own a cell phone and would not use one because I've been in the phone industry and I know what they do to your brain. So under no circumstances would I put anything that broadcasts microwaves that close to my head. And it just goes on and on. We live in a sea of electromagnetic pollution. The food body of the nation is polluted with all of the um, high fructose corn syrups and the um, fluoride-based chemicals. And it just goes on and on and on and on. All the, quote, preservatives, all the, quote, natural flavors, all of these things that contribute to a diminution of the core of the key of the individual that is subjected to them. So in, in my view of reality, I sit here vibrating at 22 trillion times a second as universe sends this invisible pulse beaming out through every single object within the universe to create itself, and then it destroys itself 22 trillion times a second. And then at some point between there and 30 frames a second, which is where my eyes and my brain and all of my senses operate at, is where I, Cliff, exist. Now, being electromagnetic sensitive, I have a slight edge on other people, but it's sort of a trained edge. I watch my diet. I make my own food. I'm a vegetarian. I do all these things right and so on and so on. Not because they're they're righteous, but because I know them to be protective against the evils that are being deliberately pumped out into the environment in an attempt to, to dumb me down, uh, hypnotize me, phase me out, alter my vibration any way they can. And it has worked with millions of people. And unfort- or fortunately for everybody, It'll be traumatic, but very fortunate. As uh, the dollar dies, so does a whole lot of the inherent control system because we won't be able to afford to have bad food anymore because we'll have to manufacture our own because no one will be sending us uh, basically anything because they won't be taking the dollar. And it just goes on and on and on. The people in the United States have to now consider that World War III has started and ended the United States has lost, and we're very much like the Japanese and the Germans were after uh, World, World War II, except we didn't get our factories bombed. So we're going to have to tear down all these old antiquated factories ourselves in order to rebuild our country. We, we're going, we didn't have the luxury of having it blown to bits by foreigners to let us know for sure that it's gone. So now we have to stand up. Basically, as they say these days, we've got to man up and, and get our testosterone going and saying, okay, that factory is, you know, ancient. The company that theoretically owns it should have been bankrupt 30 years ago, but it's been kept going by what used to be subsidies, which we can't afford anymore. So that company and everybody that used to work there, they're gone because as a social order, we can't afford subsidies anymore because we can't even import food because we're so poor. But we're not poor. We're money poor because the money system is there. It is my opinion if the central bank and the and the crime families were removed and the country reorganized, we could be on Mars in probably three years. But don't you see a concerted effort? And I recently connected some dots with chemtrails and the spraying of aluminum on top of uh, farms, which completely obliterate the crops 
But the Monsantos of the world have developed a new crop, GMO crop, <laughs> that, that is it's completely resistant, resistant yeah. to aluminum. So yeah, how, are yeah. we, how are we supposed to grow on our own crops if these bastards are doing this? Well, because here's what's going to happen. Those individuals, I, I understand what you're saying, and, and there's a huge amount of frustration in all of this. I personally have a grow dome where we keep food undercover so it's not contaminated by the um, chemtrails. Okay. Okay, so you can do that on an individual level. But, but we are now approaching a time of social action where the social order as a whole, uh, basically the body politic is going to get starting to you know, uh, squeeze its arms together, start pounding its fist, flex those muscles, because it will have no choice. And, and it's, uh, there's an old song, if I, can, I can't remember it, but it's something about, you know, um, uh, good for all of us because we just don't have any choice anymore. <laughs> We've got to get up and do it. So Monsanto is good to go. Uh, corporations are good to go. The corporate world we exist in now is history from my viewpoint barely two years out. It, it's uh, something you write about in textbooks. It will not exist in the 2020 realm. Uh, it won't be part of what we have to go through to get through 2012. Big parts of it are going to crash with the realization that the universe is not as we have been told. There's this underlying subtext going on, and if you read people like David Icke, you understand that most humans, all humans, to some degree, greater or lesser, are trapped, and I include myself in this, in the illusion, what the, um, what the um, Hindus or the Jain call Maya, uh, the samasara, the illusion of reality binding us, thinking we're individuals and all of this other stuff going on. And in fact, we're bound by our senses. But we're going to have to get really serious about human interaction within universe over these next 63 days from uh, November 14th onward mark a major transition in, in humanity on this planet. At the end of those 63 days, we hit a period where the next solar hiccup or, or um, uh, outburst can be expected. This last one on October 27th redu uh, induced all kinds of volcanic activity, huge earthquakes. We've got global quakes going on. The western edge of the Pacific Plate underneath the Pacific Ocean is lifting up. And uh, we're going to go through it in much more intense fashion on January 17th, 18th, 19th, and maybe even a week or two earlier than that. And then 87 days it's gonna, uh, from that, it's good, we're going to go through it all over again, and it's going to get worse. Those two episodes, that one in... Um, uh, January and then 87 days following that in 2011, all of this prior to June of, of 2011 will change the planetary way in which humans look at themselves and their history. And it's going to really shake up our relationship with the powers that be. And Erica from Eastern Europe, if you're listening, a few months ago she sent me this link of a machine that produces water from from the air so you don't need to be connected to any water supply in the event things get really bad if you could send me that link again i'd like to share it with the audience well let's let's stop for a second there if you're in really desperate straits and you need water and you want to do something like do wells go and look up do wells uh a hopi indian and other arid uh, people technology where you just dig a small pit put stones in you can use cloth plastic etc cetera, etc cetera, and at the right time of the day you can get plenty of potable water depending on the size of the pit okay i'm in the desert where it's drier than than hell here how are you supposed to do that well, dry, drier than hell is still 8 to 10% humidity. 
even down to 4 or 5% humidity, you can get a dew well to function. What you need to do is you need to have a very slight rise, maybe a foot and a half off the surface of the desert, assuming that you're out smack in the middle of it, okay? Yes. Okay, so even a very slight rise will do it, and then a dip down below the surface of the desert. So basically what you do is you dig a hole, and in digging the hole, you take the dirt from the desert uh, that, you, that you extract from the hole, and you make a ring or a mound around that area, right? <clears throat> the deeper the hole and the higher the wall, the more efficient that this little machine will be. Then you take plastic, cloth, whatever you've got, and line that entire area, hopefully in a single sheet if you could. And then you put stones in the bottom of it. If you've got some kind of metal or something, and you can put underneath that plastic in the bottom of it, it'll make that much more effective. But basically what happens is that you create a condensation path and a disruption in the ambient airflow that draws whatever ambient moisture there is to that area, and it condenses. Now, obviously, the drier it is, the bigger the damn hole it is you're going to need. No wonder the powers that be want to get rid of the Hopi way of life. Oh, these people know what they're doing, and they've got corn strains that Monsanto is, is basing a whole lot of their work on. And will the what-the-f moment come after people have believed that their elections, quote-unquote elections, will have an effect of actually riding a ship that has essentially already beached itself for the only true repair to the system is a total collapse and restarting with the new rule of economics? I agree with the statement, but I don't know how many people believe anymore that, that change really comes. Anybody, I, I'm so disconnected from humanity. I mean, basically being a um, hermit to begin with, a recluse, as you say, you know, an old bald guy out in the woods, right? But I just don't, um, you would know better than I how much of the general populace actually believes the political lie anymore. Uh, but uh, the the moment that is going to shock everybody is probably merely 10 to 11 days away. I think it'll probably be something that impacts the ATM system and the electronics. I'm hoping that as opposed to something like a false flag where they nuke Washington and Miami. Are you talking about a electromagnetic pulse bump that stops all the electronics? No, it needn't be that. I mean, it could be as simple as the... Um, Uh, silver price running so high that all the banks in the United States with their giant silver shortage uh, positions are so technically underwater that they could never recover in anybody's lifetime and the rest of the world basically shuts them down and won't even do business with anything calling itself an American bank. And over the course of a day or so to maintain political control, the um, minion class the power elite might decide to simply shut off the ATMs and enforce some form of, you know, curfew, etc. Does the data suggest the forecasted use of scalar and our nuclear weapons as a part of a war that is nation versus nation, or just powers that be versus the global population number, or both? Uh, there's, they'll always offer it as a nation versus nation, race versus race, tribe versus tribe. And none of it's true. It's always the powers that be killing off humans to control other humans. And yes, there does appear to be in the data the potential for that. We, it's not like uh, the tsunami. It's not like the tipping point. It's a bit more amorphous. It, it has less of a supporting structure. It continues to grow. It's relative to everybody's thinking about it. But it doesn't have... Um, 
I hate to use this word because <laughs> I just hate to and you'll know why, but it doesn't have the solidity <laughs> of the tipping point data. Okay, now all this data is amorphous and, and there is no such thing as solid in our universe anyway, but on a, on a weighted average numeric basis, the data I have for scalar weapons and nuclear war kind of stuff is not um, as substantial uh, as what we have, for instance, for the tipping point. So yes, it's out there. Yes, it continues to grow. I would suspect in the normal course of events that if you ran my software and didn't report it, just ran it and ran it and ran it for uh, the next 30 or 40 years, as long as there are nuclear weapons, there will be some level of concern that shows up in our data about the existence of them. I sure hope that made sense. Sure it did. And you mentioned that the increased space aliens and alien wars memes have hit the mainstream media. And you refer to them as having been forecast as being the thin edge of a very short wedge. It's a multi-pronged question. A, does that essentially say that your interpretation of the data suggests that the ET scenarios that are pushed forward by the powers that be media and minions is going to be short-lived and will not have a, a huge an effect as desired? No, uh, that's a misinterpretation. What I'm saying is that it's the thin edge of the wedge. The wedge just is not very long that we're going to scale up very rapidly from this time, which was like, when did that occur? It was like September of this year, I think, uh, to the, the major plateau for that meme, which is October of um, 2011. So that's not a very long wedge at all in my, my line of work. And I'm getting a lot of email about this one. This is out of uh, left field. But if we've known, if we've been now hearing of ET intervention at nuke sites for the past 60 years, Is there any data to suggest an ET intervention at CERN, the Large Hadron Collider? I have data suggesting that CERN has problems. There are cross-connects to the Space Goat Farts entity and over to the um, uh, to unknown energies from space and this sort of thing. But I don't have anything that says this kind of a life form is causing it. So yes, yes, I have something that may hint that, but I don't have any confirmatory uh, descriptors that say, you know, some uh, little green um, intelligent toad-looking thing that, you know, uh, flu here is actually causing it. And does the data suggest massive frustration from scientists and countries alike over the forecasted YAFU, yet another F-up, event at CERN, given how many billions of dollars those experiments cost. And by the way, Cliff, don't you find it somewhat hypocritical to spend billions into this when there is so much financial turmoil around the world? I, I, don't, I wouldn't apply hypocritical to it, because you have to understand from my viewpoint, um, it's a scam in the sense that the whole money system is a scam. Actually, if anything, CERN demonstrates my point. If we're so in such a huge financial problem and if finances really meant anything, where are we getting the resources to do the biggest uh, uh, building effort this planet and species has ever undertaken? Exactly. So we're obviously doing it. We obviously have the resources. And thus, obviously, money is meaningless. It is a useless abstraction that's gotten in the way, and we need to now get rid of it. In the, in, there's, we have some weird stuff in our data. Okay, let me just stop for a second and, and go way out. In our long-term data stuff, uh, even as far back as, say, 99 in the year 2000, when I was first starting to separate out immediacy, short-term, and longer-term data, I, I would, uh, was getting stuff that was multi-generationally out. And so I've got data that shows, you know, for instance, we might get some descriptors for uh, 2041. 
okay? And they're, they're interesting. They're mainly in isolation. We can't make a lot of interpretation off of them. But the ones that we do get are interesting and somewhat consistent. And they seem to suggest, and I have very little granularity, and this is more my opinion than a real solid data hint, but they seem to suggest a contribution society evolves after the collapse of the dollar and the, and the uh, whatever we want to call it that's going to occur, that's going to remove the powers that be. I won't use the word revolution because that is one of their words that they use to describe particularly violent acts, and that's not what we're going to go through. But after all this big brouhaha, the dust-up, whatever we're going to call it here, and the powers that be are out of the way, the evolution of our society is going to go towards a different kind of a, of a social order at a fundamental level that everybody's going to say, I'm absolutely crazy because this is not in human nature. And I would disagree. It is exactly in human nature, and we've been taught otherwise all this time. But what's going to emerge is a contribution society. And I'll give you an example of that. There's a suggestion that in 2040, there's going to be some kind of a, um, let's just say, an Earth crisis. I don't know if it's going to be a big earthquake or a, terrest a terrestrial crisis of some kind in 2040 occurs. At that point, the impetus of the human in, a, in what we now call the United States, whether it still exists as a country or not, is not pertinent. And I don't even have any data about that. But the people living there will, in this area, that is to say, continental United States, will be praised by the planet for standing up as perhaps one of the most pristine examples of the contribution society and saying, we can contribute in spite of our poverty, in spite of our hardship, we can contribute this much to the solution. It's a... You have to go through the data to understand my reaction to it. But it is, it is a transformative occasion that we're about to go through. And as a human and as an Aikidoist, I am pleased at what arises in spite of what we have to go through to get there. It almost sounds, <clears throat> Cliff, as the Native Americans hundreds of years ago. It's almost as if there's a rebirth of that same kind of uh, life. Which makes sense. That's what humans are. That's what we should be. And the Anglosphere, the reptilian influence, the evil powers that be have convinced us, convinced us en masse that we are not as we really are, that we're these other things, and that what we really are is something that um, uh, we should only strive for. It's really a wicked um, construct that we live in, and those people that are bound to the five-sense reality will think I'm a stupid idiot for being an old, weepy man sitting here crying over the expression. <sighs> and you see, that's a problem. We're raised in, in certain cultures to, to anybody who cries is a sign of weakness. And that's absolutely the opposite. That's it's only true, yes. Yeah, that, yeah. In, my, in my line of work, um, as an Aikidoist, we know... Men cry from compassion right. once you become an adult. And compassion is where power exists. And um, let me tell you that the reptilians know that it is emotion that produces energy in universe. The, the blending, the, the understanding of emotion, the ability to use it, the ability to blend key, which is the, the energetic form of the emotion at its, at its um, most refined nature, 
to focus scares these these beings as you would not understand. And it scares them into stupid acts. Uh, it makes their brains jittery. It forces them down into this um, uh, other other existence. And it they truly are scared of us. All we have to do is figure out how to get away from their mind control. And uh, I, I will not even be able to comprehend where we're going to go in a very short period of time. I'm actually extremely optimistic. We've got some really nasty things coming up. And the sun's going to really kick our butt over these next few few years, maybe even five to ten years. But enough of us can get through, and there now appears to be a significant shift relative to the powers that be that I've got to say for probably the first time in uh, easily ten years and maybe thirteen years, I'm very optimistic about my species. Well, that's that's great. It's, it's one of those positive uh, news that we need. But, you know, I do this show for the children. They have nobody to speak on their behalf, only people like you and I and other others who really want to help. And I want to thank you for leaning into this comfort and, and expressing your feelings this way. But this question affects all of us. Would the data suggest, or does your personal opinion have a stance on the powers that be having the ability to close banks that are about to have, quote-unquote, bank runs wash over them? Can the powers that be move that fast with currencies in electronic form to keep the money from the general public granted that only a fraction of floating rate notes exist with the bank's sure. walls relative to the amount of so-called money existing in electronic form yes the um they will be able to keep it from us because the banking system will collapse virtually overnight and that's what leads to this uh, what the hell kind of a moment there's a move on now uh there's actually two mass um movements uh, being coordinated across the planet now. One is for the November 11th uh, reimagining of the future. Um, kudos to all of those guys. And then there's another group out of uh, Europe that is planning on a strike against the central banks on December 7th. I am of some doubt as to whether the central banks will be in a position to be there to receive that strike on December 7th. The collapse is seen as staggeringly fast. And in fact, the words we have around the, the shutdown uh, go to the idea of shock, recoil, people that will actually have health issues because the, the speed of it all will be hard for them to comprehend because they'll wake up one morning or turn the corner and it'll be an entirely different world and planet. And the old one won't be coming back. And if it is a planetary currency crisis, and the if the powers that be are truly planetary, then will they be moving currencies internationally or offshore, etc., as fast as possible in the coming days? Or would they no, have no, no, to? No. You, you miss you miss the point. The anything they do relative to that is is within an, a layer of abstraction that becomes meaningless once the dollar crashes because the collapse of the dollar removes confidence for all currencies. And then we get to the situation of when, when that goes, for a brief period of time, there is a reversion to materialism. And it is at that point that powers that be become extremely vulnerable. For instance, uh, right now, someone comes uh, as a hypothetical example, a member of the powers that be, and they want to shut me up. When they're going to not threaten me with violence or anything, what they're going to try and do is they're going to try and bribe me. Okay, and I say, oh, okay, you've got to give me, you know, uh, $45 million. I want $45 million. And, well, they don't actually have $45 million. They don't have anything worth $45 million. All they do is they produce $45 million worth of digits in, a, in an account somewhere. Right. And so shifting that digital stuff offshore is 
a layer of meaningless abstraction on top of a layer of another layer of meaningless abstraction. So it is estimated that there's three percent um, of all of the dollars on the planet in circulation. No, no, no. Prior to the year 2000, were in circulation. Okay. Okay. Now that number, if you remove $100 bills, because $100 bills are not accepted anywhere on the planet except in American banks after they've gone through all those forgery tests. Yes. Uh, okay. So you remove those as an issue. We are now about eight-tenths of 1% actual physical dollars in the planet for the digital dollars. And that's going to change tomorrow when they produce another bazillion digital dollars and the dollar is further eroded and so on. So by the time we reach next, um, or the 14th, which is a, a Sunday this week hence, then we might be at a situation where there's say one tenth of 1% real dollars for digital dollars. And so under those circumstances, though, the, the leverage, the, um, risk levels are so hugely out of whack that every single derivative on the planet has gone belly up. And technically, the whole uh, planet is uh, in default to the powers that be in some form or another to the tune of several times the planetary uh, domestic product. I have a strong suspicion, Cliff, that the reason why the powers that be have not adopted a 100% digital money approach is because of the drug trade, which needs cash. What's your take on that? Uh, that's probably correct, but bear in mind, a lot of the drug trade these days is out of cash. They don't deal in currencies anymore. Um, great deal of, or, or large numbers of them are like the powers that be. They caught wind of it a long time ago, and they're dealing in silver and gold. So they've totally, and that's also been a big problem for the powers that be. Let's, let's separate the planet and slice and dice it in a particular way. And on the very top, you've got the Rothschilds, Rockefellers, all the reptilians. Right underneath them, you've got a huge minion layer. And it's the minion layer that's really uh, the impetus for the drug trade, the destruction of the uh, inner city manufacturing in the United States, the shipping of jobs away, uh, you know, the, the terrible poverty on the uh, urban environments in the United States and all of this was by design of the minion class. And they also participated and made themselves wealthy selling drugs around. Now, we also have to say below the minion class, there exists an unconnected group of entrepreneurs that are also in the drug trade that because it's a reasonable trade it you can make money at it it's easy to produce the drugs etc cetera, etc cetera. and so people get into it because of poverty and lack of other opportunity around the whole planet and these guys are not part of the the powers that be and they powers that be have actually had a real issue within the drug world itself over these last four or five years relative to the entrepreneurial class shifting out of currency and actually dropping out underneath their radar. And it's put a lot of pressure on the uh, drug world, and we've seen some very large changes in how business is done. Uh, if you watch a lot of how the powers that be are moving, uh, they've been somewhat um, uh, hurt by the shift out of currencies and the fact that a lot of their former partners or suppliers or uh, uh, customers won't deal in, in currency in any way, form, at all anymore and they want solid silver or gold and they'll drill the bars they won't they won't take your word for it well last coming before we take uh, our one and only intermission have you heard of the powers that be or actually the fed that the payments of interest they want it in gold and not in 
currency because they know it's worthless. And it's coming to an end in 2012 after the 100th anniversary of the Federal Reserve. Have you heard that? Uh, no, that's kind of news to me. The 100th anniversary actually occurs Saturday, uh, November 6th. Um, that's when uh, the 100th anniversary of the Jekyll Island meeting that started the whole Federal Reserve and the whole banking cabal uh, crime family off occurred 100 years ago as of this Saturday. Uh, the 2013 date was when Wilson was coerced into signing ah, the Federal okay. Reserve in. So the okay. meeting was in, in 1910, okay. Correct. And so that's why that's the significant date. That's why Bernanke and uh, Greenspan are going down to Jekyll Island to hold a big ritual this uh, on the 7th, which they're calling which uh, part of that ritual is going to be a press conference. Mm. But the big ritual is to establish a centennial. You have to bear in mind a couple of things. Prior to the existence of the U.S. dollar, no paper currency ever lasted longer than 72 years right. before before collapsing. They've been able to extend it only because of our uh, global empire and our ability to scare everybody uh, into thinking that we'll bomb the crap out of them. If you don't take our dollars, right. that is rapidly waning. The current circumstances that we're facing are going to take away the military prowess of the United States over these next couple of years. Uh, in a similar fashion to what happened to Great Britain with its destruction as a military power in World War II. And uh, at the same time, uh, or actually causing that is part of the dollar destruction because we're so hemorrhaged or, or we're so hamstrung that our military is no longer dependent on its own resource base and it has to, it's dependent on dollars to get resources. So as soon as dollars are not accepted anywhere globally, our military is resourceless. And we may indeed get to the point where we have to, you know, uh, I don't know, um, offer to, well, let's just take a real hypothetical example here, uh, sell um, the statues on, um, uh, in Central Park, for instance, or, or sell artwork or something to pay to get some of our military back from some of our foreign bases. In other words, we will become that desperate as a result of the dollar debt. We may have to round up all the art in all of our museums, offer it on the world market to raise enough money to pay to get our soldiers back from all these countries that have been basically feeding them in charity because we're so broke. And this starts probably on the 14th or so there thereabouts. Now, there's a real possibility that the powers that be may try and do some false flag or try and take our um, attention off things, give us some other thing to think about because we have to bear in mind the dollar is an abstraction. It's an abstraction upon a layer of abstraction upon another layer of abstraction, which is all based on illusion because these people don't have a real accurate uh, vision of what the planet is like and how it operates and how the universe is. So there really is nothing that's lost. The United States is not desperately poor, but it's going to seem that way over these next few months. We just have to decide we're not going to play their game anymore and start structuring ourselves in a new way. It reminds me of the Ottoman Empire during World War, War One and what happened to them. But this is the... Gift to the world, folks. This show is being given to everybody at no cost as a two-year anniversary of the Veritas show. I had no idea that after one or two or three shows, you still be listening to us. But I'm, <laughs> I'm proud. I'm happy that you are. And uh, Cliff, I also, folks, I, I heads up. I have hundreds of questions that you submitted. And although Cliff is half past human, he's still a human being. So I'm going to try to do as many as I can, but it won't be uh, a large percentage of what you sent. Cliff, what's your website again? 
Halfpasthuman.com. Halfpasthuman.com. Buy his as, rep- long, as long as they allow it to stay up. <laughs> We've had some real issues. Yeah. S- yes, and after the break, I want you to tell us exactly what really happened. Many people are curious. And uh, folks, if you like what you're listening to and you can't subscribe and your conscience dictates, please subscribe to Veritas. We have no censorship and no sponsorship to help us. Only you can help us remain on the air. Please don't go anywhere. We have a fascinating second segment coming up. This is Mel Fabregas, and we're here with Cliff High. Don't go anywhere. Cliff's going to get some coffee. (laughs) I'll be right back. Thank you very much for listening. We're going to talk more with our special guest in our members section. Head on over to our website, veritasshow.com. Click on subscribe and join us in the members area to tune in to the second part of this great show. We'll take a short break, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with more.
This is Jay Widener, and you're listening to Veritas. <laughs> 